Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the FlowTrack Podcast. I'm Kevin. He's Lincoln. I had a lot to discuss on today's show. You can email us, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to audio podcasts. Or you can watch us, flowtrack.org slash flowtrackpodcast. I'm in Austin. Lincoln, again, is in the hype shed in Taylor, Texas. How are you, Lincoln? Are those results and... And takes you have behind you there? Did they did they take the place of your wife's art after all these great results we got over the weekend? Yeah, I'm kind of trying to um, understand them in my head a little bit better by throwing them up on the wall, kind of like Charlie Kelly and Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and understand how <laughs> four people breaking one world record in in one race uh, is is remotely possible and. Uh, mm-hmm. Just it's been tough to to uh, ingest all that from Valencia yesterday, you know, so I've had to make some models and try to figure out the numbers exactly and understand exactly how perilous of a position we're in now, how ruined the sport is and what we can do to possibly bring it back. (laughs) And sometimes numbers and words don't suffice. So then you just do an abstract approach. And colors, you know, you throw different colors up against the wall and you're like, this is, this is Kibby Watt candy. You know, this is an alpha fly. This is how I feel right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think I'm close to uncovering the conspiracy, um, <laughs> but stay tuned. We, uh, we, there's a lot to, to talk about today. I, in all seriousness, I, I know we've gotten used to the preposterous, but four guys breaking 58. I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm i sure I was on record last week, I think, saying I didn't think the record was going to go down. I think it's always safer to just assume records <laughs> will fall these days uh, rather than not. Because uh, not only did it fall by almost 30 seconds, but three other dudes got under it uh, mm-hmm. and made Jeffrey Cam Warwar's no good rotten year even, I guess, even tougher because... Not only does he get hit by a car and can't race, and then obviously the slowdowns because of COVID, but he, his records go by the wayside without him even getting to uh, offer a rebuttal. Now he'll have a chance eventually. I assume he'll be a sub-58 guy, but as of now, he's got four gentlemen ahead of him. At, mm-hmm. And it's not like 58-01 was a weak record. Uh, I mean, it is by the uh, – if you compare it to the marathon, but still yet I'm astounded that the results from the Valencia men's half – yeah, so we're going to start there. We're going to do the top 10 storylines of the weekend because this was like a real weekend in running. This was as if there were was no pandemic, basically. And even probably in a non-pandemic year, this would have been a, a big weekend, just the amount of results. So with that Valencia half, you had Kibiwat Candy, 57-32, smashes Cam Orr's record by 29 seconds. And then five seconds behind him, Jacob Kiplimo, the reigning now world half marathon champion. And then Ronix Kipruchu, 57-49. And then Alexander Mutisa, who nobody really had heard of going into this race, also went under 58 minutes and ran 57-59. You said before you didn't think it was a weak record. And it's hard to think when someone breaks the existing mark by as much as Cam Warrer did, he put some distance there. And when someone comes in with the credentials that Cam Warrer did to the event and seems perfectly suited for that event, that it is the... 
end all be all and this record is going to stay forever but in retrospect in retrospect you look back he ran a lot of that race by himself when he ran 5801 and then you go to the tables and i know you don't like to go to the tables all the time but i like to go to the tables and you look at how it matches up i did yes to the marathon yeah you go to the marathon you go to the 5000 10000 records which Joshua Cheptegei um just broke and even after you punch in 5732 it's still the weakest of the four. A lot of that Man. is just a function of how the half marathon is run. A lot of that is just because the half marathon is run as a tune-up. It's run as part of a larger plan or it's run in a you know world half marathon championships where it, there are medals at stake. So the shoes obviously are having an impact here. But I think we should also know that there's a a confluence of of things going on and and one of them was i i think this record was due to go down when you put that many people on that fast of a course yeah valencia is just uh the record capital of the world when it comes to well i guess track times too but but um when it comes to road running i mean just the i think the money they can put behind events particularly when there has been you know no events to speak of where normally a lot of these athletes would have been spread out running marathons, halves at different places. Well, now they could all come together and then they get on the Valencia, which is just pancake flat. And it, it is a good factor. Yes. The shoes are a tremendous factor, but uh, you know, I'm always going to be off the train of this is ruining the sport as a lot of people are d discussing um, because I look at it as like the pre cell phone era. And, and, and now we're living in a, in a, in a cell phone era, you know, formerly you couldn't, when you were out in the woods and you were lost, you couldn't call your friends. And uh, man, <laughs> did that make life so much more interesting? And it did it take away from the um, mapquest.com sponsor the show? Yeah, it just it took away from the sincerity of being lost and being, being, uh, you know, having to find a payphone. And, and I mean, I, that's kind of the way I, I look at it now. It's like, well, now we don't have to worry about that. Now, the shoes are their best possible iteration that they've ever been. It's we can, that's fine if you don't want to compare it to previous eras. That's fine. I think we can all appreciate that Kibby Watt Candy has an advantage over, you know, I don't know, ten years ago Zersene Tedesse in, in the shoe department, yeah, yeah. and that's fine. Like I, I don't need to compare these guys anymore. That's I want to compare Kibby Watt Candy to Jacob uh, Kiplimo. So that yeah, that, you know, I, or, or even Jeffrey Cam Warwar, and you know, Cam Warwar may, now maybe a step behind because the shoes have advanced in the whatever it was the, a year since he broke his record. Like, I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't need to worry. I'm, I've done, I'm done comparing records and times to previous eras. Let's just forget about that. Like, I don't think the shoes need to be a controversial thing simply because let's just live in the here and now and and understand mm -hmm. that technology is always going to be part of it. I just don't understand why so many people are caught up in that. I don't want to waste this entire hour on just that. Um, I do just want to marvel on the fact of the performance of the four guys yesterday running, I mean, in Kibiwat, in Candy's uh, case, running 424 pace for 13.1 miles. And I think we were both watching the race at the same time last night. I didn't watch it live as, as you didn't either because I like to sleep. Um, and just marveling at his aggressiveness i think obviously there was pacers but you know when he wanted to get things moving at 18k he put in mm -hmm. an aggressive aggressive surge to to win that race and i know kip limo caught up at 20k but uh candy you know you want to you talk about being in control of the of the race and not you know not let not letting it just come to you but really like you know stamping your foot down and going for it that's what exactly what candy did and he gets a little revenge on on Kip Limo. Both those guys are fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think that ultimately, you know, one or two of the, you know, one or two of them, we know that the mar half marathon success doesn't always translate, but one or two of these guys is going to be fantastic in the marathon at some point. And yeah. uh, it, it's just fun. To, it was fun to watch. I mean, yeah, yeah. Candy is a, uh, he's not the prettiest runner, you know, but he is like confident in what he's doing. And, and, mm -hmm. He is a, he's now the half marathon world record holder and somebody we, we're going to have to consider for all road races going forward. When you watched it, did you notice about 100, 200 meters in, they switched from a head-on shot to a side shot? Did, did you remember that? And you got a sense of how quickly they started and it looked like a 1500? That's when I yeah, knew. I mean, I was watching it after the fact, so I saw the results, but that's when I knew it was ridiculous to be on. I mean, they were, they took off with no fear of the distance at all. 
It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. I mean, that's the half marathon has long since been a speed race, right? I mean, everything's a speed race, but half, yeah, you just I got the. I'm still awestruck. I'm still awestruck. They're running in 420 miles for 13 miles. I mean, that's just absurd. Yeah. And so you do get a better perspective when they're from the side, as in any race. Mm-hmm. It looked like they were sprinting on the roads. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it was nuts. Yeah. So you mentioned how fast Valencia is. And I don't think that is being considered enough here. People are attributing a lot of it to the shoes, but I think some of the credit does need to go to Valencia, which is basically BU now without a roof. Every time there's a race there, you're seeing massive personal bests. And I heard this in the broadcast. They were talking about the 10K course that they had, which of course produced ridiculously fast times. And they smoothed out some of the curves to make it even faster for the half marathon. So they took, because that's where Ronix Ronix ran. How how fast did Ronix run there, Lincoln? Remind the audience how fast he ran there. Yeah, 26-24. And they made it faster. He ran (laughs) 26-24 and they made the course faster so if people want to do conspiracy theories and things about ruining the sport i don't know maybe look at the city of valencia or the course that just seems to be uh where all the where all the fast times are coming from you can't help but notice two of the top four two of these four guys who ran under 58 minutes were not sponsored by nike including the winner so that that talking point about it being an uneven playing field seems to be dissipating by the day and now we've you're right we've transitioned to era versus era and the times don't mean anything anymore. And and I take your point completely. I take your point 100% of, yeah, every era is going to have advantages. And then part of the fun in sports is comparing, okay, Kibby Watt Candy's mid-57 time versus somebody else. Oh, this person ran with all-weather tracks and Jim Ryan ran on cinders. How do we compare that? Like, There's always going to be this evolution. Does this mark a, a much larger one? Yes, than one we've recently seen. But I think the key part is, can you make it fair within the era so that way Adidas athletes and Nike athletes are on the same page? And, you know, Ronix ran, I mean, when he ran that 26-24, I don't think he had the current shoe that he's running in now. That was the beginning of January. I don't think Adidas was that, I believe it was the Takumi Sens, which are, are not the same thing as the Audios. So the dude joining 26-24 on the road, if you didn't think mm-hmm. a sub-58 was possible, if you didn't, you need, you need to go to the library, check out, well, libraries aren't open, but when the library's open, check out a copy <laughs> of the IAAF scoring tables, get them on reserve, and look at what 26-24 yeah. on the road charts out at. I mean, this is, this was inevitable. And again, I'm not saying it, the shoes have nothing to do with it. Of course, you have to be completely blind to say that, that there's not some factor uh, with the shoes here. But these guys were good. These guys are good and they were gonna run yeah. fast regardless and jeffrey camor jeffrey camor was not the end of prs in the same way that Mm. on the track kennedy sabakele was not the end of prs jernish dubaba was not the end of prs in the women's 5000 we have not reached the end we 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 do not need to think that just because we saw them that that was the pinnacle of athletic achievement and everything that comes after them thereby does not count because they beat somebody we saw growing up who we thought had the perfect amount of technology. No more, no less. Yeah. And I, the argument, as you know, is that the jumps are just so, you know, if you look at this on a graph, we've been going a little steadily ticking up. And then in the last five years, it's gone straight north uh, um, as far as so many people dropping so, so much time. And I don't know, maybe I'm just... Um, I, different than a lot of people. I'm just not bothered by that. Um, I, I don't, I don't know what's necessarily wrong with that. Let's just change our, you know, recalibrate our gauge of what we understand as fast. And then this is the world we live in, you know, as you said, kind of jokingly, you know, last night via text, like I couldn't even watch this race. There's so many guys running fast. It was bothering me. I mean, that's kind of what we're arguing, right? It's like, you are so bothered and I just still find it hilarious. And I'm sure he's okay with me calling him out because this is his response after every race. But one of the sports most famous commentators always goes to Twitter after a very fast performance like this, Tim Hutchings, and complains about it. And I just like, Tim, Mm -hmm. are you trying to lose your job? 
because I, I just, <laughs> why is this bothering you so much? And I understand he represents a, a you know, a bygone era because he was an elite distance runner, but he's arguing like, when is, when is world athletics going to say, you know, be like, somebody's going to step up and say enough is enough. Well, I've got news for him, which he knows they're not because the other day, maybe it was yesterday. They just said their prototype rule. They, they mm-hmm. banished that. So it's the wild West again. So we're doubling down world athletics saying, uh, no, your, your prototype doesn't have to be out in the public. You can just rip in a, in a prototype. I mean, we may be talking eventually if we can, if we're, if we're trying to get the marathon or the half marathon closer to what the marathon is at per the IWF scoring tables, we may soon be talking about times in the 56 minute range. It's, is it going to be absurd? Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. But like, what, what are we, why is that so bad? I just don't understand mm-hmm. why uh, with the science with athlete progression running ridiculously fast is, is so bad. I, I think we, we, we have this sport where we just think everything needs to be compared to other eras. And I just don't know why we can appreciate that. Kenanisa Bekele was great on the track. And the fact that he was able in the mid two thousands to run times that are comparable or, you know, better than all, but one person in history than a guy who Mm -hmm. has technological advantages. And I think we appreciate that and say, wow, he ran 26, 17 in 2005. That probably translates to a sub 26 effort. It doesn't like make Kennedy Sabikele be like, wow, he was a bad runner. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. I know that's not, that's a little simplistic, but I, I just, I, I, I thought this would calm down a, a little bit. And I know the comparison is people make is, well, swimming got rid of the the bodysuit. And well, there were 25. I, I disagree, the, I disagree uh, with uh, that. The, I think that was dumb. No, well, no. And that's that's kind of apples to oranges. There were 25 world records at the 08 Olympics with the swimming, with the swimsuit. 25 world records. That's not, not what we're talking about but, here. What's wrong with that? Why is that so bad? Well, but, no, I'm, 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 but I'm saying it's on an order of magnitude much larger than what we're dealing with, with shoes or with lights or whatever. And I, yes, I, people want it. Yes. The whole obsession with numbers is inherent to track and field in the same way it joins baseball in that party of the numbers are sacred. The numbers mean something. These records, these records matter. Um, but again, if Do you don't think somebody in the Half of them are dirty. Well, right. What record? Does the women 800 mean, mean something? The women's well, four? Does my, that mean something? Yes. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I get your point. But I'm saying they're also neglecting the fact that did they think that the people in the 2000s had the same exact advantages as the people in the 1970s and the 1960s? Again, the, the, the drum – yeah, it, it wasn't as steep, but the end result is the same. And here's the other part of this, and this is what I was talking about you know, back a couple months ago when we were talking about the regulations for it, this stuff is, it's unavoidable when you have a sport that's funded by shoe companies and you have athletes that are funded by shoe companies and the desire is to make a better shoe for people, not just one that makes them faster, but in the case of a lot of these carbon fiber shoes, people are saying that they recover quicker. So theoretically, hey, maybe they're going to be injured less and they're going to enjoy the sport of running. You can't put that genie back in the bottle because that's how the whole thing is that's how the whole, you know, the, the the bread is buttered essentially here. This is how the sport goes round and round. Should you put some restrictions on it so it's clear and 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 transparent for everybody? Yes. And I think they did that. Did they do that too late? Perhaps. But right now, when you have all the major companies now having at least some form of a carbon fiber shoe, to my knowledge, we're getting closer, we're getting closer to that. And mm-hmm. Kibiwat Candy is not the end of this. Someone else is going to – so if you don't like his record and you think it was done <laughs> incorrectly, I'm not saying we're going to go back and people are going to run in non-carbon fiber shoes, but you know, someone's going to break that record and then someone's going to oh, break yeah. that record. And and it's just – that's just the reality of what's the, the the sport right now. And then maybe shoe technology will settle down for 10, 20 years, right? And you'll see more modest improvements. Um, again – Whatever they were running in the marathon in 1950s, 1960s is not what they were running in the marathon with Haile Gebrselassie. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. You could say, okay, there wasn't carbon in the shoe and carbon or, or the foam. That's the, 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 the red line that we should draw. But there were improvements in the shoes that helped yeah. him run faster. I mean, anyway, 
Let's go. We have nine more storylines. We got to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have nine more storylines. Uh, number nine, uh, number two, excuse me. Let's go to the women's half in Valencia. Emily Sisson runs 67-26, misses the American record by one second in a race that Gonzebe Dababa won in her debut in 65-18. So Sisson right there just didn't quite get it. There was a little bit of a gap between her and the next person. Probably if she had some help along the way, you think she could have got it. But at the very least, we know she's in, in good shape heading into 2021. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure this was, you know, painful for her to miss out. Now she's missed out twice by an average of three seconds. When you go back to Houston and uh, was that whatever that was, yeah. was that the beginning? I forget what year was it the beginning of this year or no, it was 2019. It's this hard to remember, but we're in 2020 right now. That's all I know. Is that the year we're still in? Okay. It's been a long yeah. one. Um, in any Not case, she's missed out twice on very close to Molly Huddle's record. Maybe, I don't know. Is, is Huddle like, She's training with her. She like, you know, like gaming her a little bit. Fast, like, man, that record's that there for the taking. You should probably get that record. I mean, you're good enough to get like psyching her out. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, this is just more confirmation that she's, I mean, she's fantastic at the 10K and half marathon distance. And she can be good at the marathon. Um, you know, it didn't work out for her in Atlanta, but she is still one of the favorites to get a spot in the women's 10K team coming up this summer, next summer, I should say, when um, now things are going to be, I guess, a lot more competitive. But let's remember, she's run 30, 49, and obviously is really probably the best half marathoner in the country right now. Um, yeah. So I think you only take away positives uh, from that. A good result for her, you know, to kind of in the year on a high note after a little bit of tough, uh, tough, uh, pill to swallow in Atlanta. Yeah. She's, I expect her once again to be an Olympian on the track and could really get a medal. Probably not, but I mean, really do something special. I think this time around when she's hitting, she's I think 29 now. I mean, she'll be like peaking hopefully when she goes to Tokyo and, and being the best version of herself. And I think you could see something special, maybe a top five finish. Yeah. Dababa, 65-18. Kind of makes sense that Dababa would be good in the half marathon. Just, yeah. She's like a – she's transitioned into she – uh, she's like Safana Hassan Light at this point in her career. I don't see yeah. her becoming a marathoner, but, uh, you know, good on her. She's like – she was Safan Hassan before Safan Hassan was around, and then Safan Hassan transcended, and uh, Dababa is just so hit and miss. This was a hit. Um, yeah. good for her. I just don't know what it, what is it? How do we extrapolate this? Is she going to be in the 10, you know, at the Olympics? Is she going to yeah. make the Olympic team? It just all depends on health and where you, she's just kind of a mystery at this point in her career and you can't really rely mm-hmm. on, on much, but this was a good race for her. And, um, it's just, unfortunately, I just, you know, knowing typically we don't see people, the, the 1500 meter world record holder go up and take, <laughs> take to the marathon. Yeah. So I feel like this was somebody that was like, I'm relying on my 5K speed and all that experience, and I'm going to be good at the half. Um, but, but I, you know, I don't want to overlook this time. I mean, 65-15 is fantastic. I just don't know what exactly we take from it for somebody like Nzeba yeah. Baba. Yeah, and G'day was not in the race. She was a late scratch, which was too bad because it would have fun, been fun yeah. to see those two go at it. Okay, you mentioned Sisson and the 10,000. That event got a lot more interesting over the weekend at the track meet where – Eight women, uh, six U.S. got the standard, led by Rachel Schneider, who ran 31.09 in her debut. So going into this meet, Merrill Hall, Emily Sisson, and Huddle had the standard, and now you throw in a bunch more there. Uh, Wayne Kalati was second in her pro debut, 31.10, which would have been the collegiate record if she didn't go pro a couple weeks ago. And yeah. Alicia Monson, 31.10. Then Sharon Lachetti, 31-11, Rogers, 31-12, Kellen Taylor, 31-15, Daniel Shanahan, huge PR, 31-22, and Steph Bruce, 31-24, all went under the Olympic standard. Yeah, impressive stuff from Schneider. And I think you're going to see, as far as the Americans are concerned, a lot of people wanting to gravitate towards this 10,000 just simply because if you look at the five, now we don't know what Houlihan's going to do, but if she Mm – you know, if she's in the 5,000, she's likely going to win it. And if she 
you know, if she wants to run that distance, um, well, there's mm -hmm. two spots gone when you put her and Swizer. So I think mm -hmm. people are going to say, well, the, the 10,000 is much more up in the air. And yeah, I think Snyder really has to consider putting all her eggs in. I mean, all, obviously you run the five too, but this was a heck of a debut and beating Wayne Kaladi, Wayne Kaladi, no small feat, even though she's just coming off a collegiate career. I mean, um, I think, I think Rachel Snyder is really underrated in the U.S. simply because previously she's run the five where women ahead of her, like Houlihan, Swizer, and Elle Purrier. Um, and I think this was kind of her moment to to shine a little bit and show that, you know, she's got a real shot. Um, if she keeps improving, she'll be, you know, somebody who's going to be running under 31 minutes. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what it takes right now when you look at the fact that Huddle and Sisson have both done that. And I'm sh obviously I'm sure – you know, Infeld, if she's healthy, is capable of that. Uh, so this was just a, uh, you know, a fantastic debut for her. And now we have to consider her for this 10,000-meter distance. It's the right move to put yourself in two events, especially how competitive mm. it is. And the 10,000 comes first. So now she's got that option as well as the five. And, I yeah, I like her in this distance. I like her in this distance. The three that already have the standard will be a factor. You mentioned Enveld. She could be in there. All the other qualifiers are there. But you want to avoid the five. Even if Houlihan doesn't run it, you want to avoid it because of Schweizer. Oh, yeah. You want to avoid it because of Cranny. You want to avoid it because of Purrier. You want to avoid it because of Shannon Roberry. Potentially Jenny Simpson could run the five as well too. There's just a lot of people. You want to be one and done at USA's at the trials you want to run one Ideally. get your get your, yeah. get your ticket and then and then leave the 5000 was ho-hum by comparison Houlihan cruised 1502 cranny 1504 she's i mean it makes sense that it looks like a tempo run because she's ran four she's run 1420s before but this looks so easy for for Houlihan. well and when, when Gordon and I were previewing this meet on Friday we were talking about well why is she even here and I and I had forgot the kind of the absurdity of the fact that World standard. Athletics said you can't get the you can't get the standard. So despite the fact that she had run fourteen twenty three, she had to go get the standard at uh, at this meet. And yeah, it was just a mm -hmm. a day at the office for her, her and Cranny. This 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 race went entirely as expected. Um, so mm -hmm. not much more to add other than Shelby Houlihan has the standard. I guess you you look at her having the standard as you know, feeling the need to get it out of the way this early is maybe a sign that she's seriously considering the five or she's just doing what everyone does and giving themselves yeah. options. And that's, prob that's probably the more likely situation. Just, I have options. So, um, well, Schweizer didn't run it though, which is interesting. I don't know if she just wasn't ready to race, but that, I mean, that, it, it, when you, when you look at it, would you rather be Shelby or Schweizer after this weekend? You'd probably say, well, I'd rather be Shelby just because she's, that's one less thing she has to do next year. Yeah, 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 and maybe it's because maybe it's because she's going to be focusing on the fifteen hundred next year, so she's she's a knockout that time. Where Schweizer more focused just on the on the five, so she'll have plenty of opportunities. The ten though is where it's at because the ten you don't have a lot of chances. You got pre Stanford, you don't know what's going to happen with those races there. So how many opportunities really are there for? Americans to get the time? So the fact that there's already what what do we have eight now? No, well, how many how many U.S. women have the standard now? There was six. Well, how many got it? Seven, seven, seven got it. So it'd be, I don't know, six U.S. It's like ten. Six U.S. got it. Oh, is it only six? Yeah, oh, yeah. My bad. Six, yeah, six U.S. and then three already had it. I think so. That's just going to make a, a better trials race. That's going to make a better trials race when you have 10, 11, 12 people with the standard as opposed to four, and then one of them drops out, and you're like, okay, well, this yeah. this isn't an interesting no, race anymore. Wrong. Well, I think a lot. Well, of, I think they're going to break thirty-one twenty-five in the trials too. I mean, I wouldn't really worry too much about it. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I mean, it's. I remember that Amy Yoder Begley year where she had to, you know, get top three and obviously get the the standard, and she did it in both, and it was really exciting. But I don't want to pay attention to the time at trials. I want to just mm -hmm. watch the yes. race. Like, and I'm. Mm -hmm. I told you, times have ruined the sport for me. When people run fast, it's like, I didn't sign up to watch track to see people run fast. I signed yeah. up to watch track to watch people run as exactly as fast as they did 25 years ago, maybe slightly yeah. slower, but absolutely under yeah. no circumstances are they allowed to run fast. That's not why I watch track. Men's 10,000, mm. our fourth storyline, Eric Jenkins. He's back. Does he make the leap here? Does he make the leap? 
I think he does. I think he makes the okay. leap uh, a year too late to the 10,000. I know he's had some uh, injury in struggles. Man, the dude, what's that? Just in time. I think he made it just in time. I don't oh, think he's yeah. late. I think he made it just in time. Just in time. Okay, so 27-22. The amount of dudes in the 27-20s certainly surprised me. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is this is him being back. And, I, you know, 10,000 on the men's side, maybe not quite as tough on the women as it is on the women's side. But, you know, he's going to have Lopez Lemong to contend with. He's going to have Shadrach Kipchirchir to to deal with. But like like it is in, in the women's five, you know, much easier mm-hmm. team to make on paper than – than the than the five thousand. So this was a str- strong move from him, and obviously yeah, he can get even better at this. Um, and so if he can stay healthy, he's a he's. I mean, this his his chances of becoming an Olympian just went up about forty percent. So mm-hmm. good on him yeah. for for doing that. Um, because I tend to think the the men's standard is significantly tougher than the women's, and. Um, for this many dudes to get that. I mean, some, some guys here took massive leaps towards becoming Olympians mm-hmm. here. And we'll talk about some of the other guys, but Jenkins the same. And yeah, kind of had, he, his, you kind of, he was a forgotten guy a little bit just because of the injuries. Mm-hmm. And now that's not, not necessarily the case. Um, I, I know he made the team in 17, but just the injury struggles have, have, you know, now we talk about Chalimo and Kincaid and mm-hmm. Lamong and you're like, Oh yeah, there's still, you know, Eric Jenkins run like 1305, but he just hasn't been yeah. around enough. Well, now he's back. Yeah. Well, and he'd run good 10Ks in college as well, too. But you really yeah. thought of him more as a 5,000 after 2016. Pat Tiernan was second. Aussie record for him. Break Stuart McSwain's mark. Uh, Chez was third, 27-23. PB for him. <laughs> and then Sam Atkin runs 27-26 while also rabbiting this race. And a day after yeah. he ran a 5K in 1318. That's a backwards way to do the 5K, 10K double. Usually you get that 10K out of the way first, and then you go and run the 5,000. So probably a lot of ice after that race for Sam Atkins. And then Joe Joe Klecker, 27.35 in his debut. And then Wesley Kiptu, perhaps the cross-country favorite. I don't know. There's a guy in the 5K he ran pretty fast to. Uh, Kiptu ran 27.37 there. Oh, and Robert Brandt got eighth. You always got to mention that as Gordon, Robert Brand. Yeah, as Gordon, Gordon did nail that one in the head. He said Robert Brand always gets eighth, and yep. by God, he got eighth place. What a what a prop, uh, what a what a yeah, what a prop bet there for Gordon. I will say I beat him in our little bet, our draft guys Congrats, that came man. through for me. Yeah, Chez came through, Klecker came through, Kiptu came through. Even in the back, my back guys, Frank Lara came through. Gurma, I think, was in eleventh or something like that. So you know, I just picked up a lot of. Of junkyard dogs there. That was just, who did not come through? <laughs> yeah, name some names of who, people who disappointed you in this race. Oh, right. No, I don't think anybody. I, you know, I picked Hillary Bohr. That was a bit of a flyer. He came through for me. Mm-hmm. I think he was like tenth. I mean, okay. he's a steepler. All my guys, I think, broke twenty eight minutes. So I was happy with my team. Okay. You know, okay. Good Our job. Zoom meeting is going to be really exciting. Yeah, we're gonna have a you know a celebratory Zoom meeting after this. No, they have, those guys have no <laughs> idea. Uh, Kip two versus Grijalva is going to be mm-hmm. a fun one to watch. I am so excited for that. You know, for Kip two, I I did say not to keep patting myself on the back, but I'll go ahead and do it. I thought he could run in the twenty seven thirties. That's exactly what he mm-hmm. did. Um, he has a couple years left in college. This is exciting. It's going to be fun to watch him. But Grijalva just continuing to uh, put it to everybody on his his twenty twenty revenge tour. Winning that five thousand, the times weren't impre- you know were what they wanted, but for him, this is you know his wrecking yeah. ball is still smashing everything and anything and everything in his way. Yeah, and that's the number five story. That men's five thousand. I do like the Luis Cajalva revenge tour uh, topic because ordinarily you see the best revenge tours are the people who miss the Olympic team and they just go over to Europe mm-hmm. and run angry for a couple months. And mm-hmm. get PRs and win diamond leagues and beat people who are on the team. Not just Americans. Uh, it happens in Kenya as well, too. But this is this is what Grijalva is doing. Now, he didn't miss any teams. He just didn't get a chance to run in track, which was supposed to avenge his, his cross-country well, performance. But yeah, 13-16 yeah. uh, breaks his own Guatemalan national record there. Uh, beats Cooper Tier, a collegiate rival who ran a great race. And I'll give you credit because you've been oh, yeah. high on Cooper Tier for – a couple of years now. He's your new Grant Fisher, I guess, of guy you pick in every single race. 
<laughs> and then and then Drew Hunter in there in third. So this twice in the span of a couple of weeks where Grahal has managed to outkick uh, Drew Hunter. So it, I mean, I don't know his, I don't know Grahal's intentions for the future about which country like who he wants to represent. But I mean, if he gets under thirteen fifteen, he could. I'm guessing there's no obstacle to him competing for Guatemala in the Olympics. Mm, well, 13, 13.5. That's the standard, right? I thought it was 13.15. Am I wrong? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're the standard. Yeah, it's 13. Guy. I think it's almost certain it's 13, 13.5. Oh, the race was case, paced to 13.15. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was a little Yeah, I was a little upset that they went. They seemed cautious towards the beginning. There was some gap. But there was a gap between them and the rabbit. It's like, go. Get the time. Yeah. Get the mark. I'm not well, you had a lot of guys a young guy. Yeah. You just had a lot of guys who had not run under 1320 before. So I think it was a little bit of a scary leap. But if you're there, if you're, you know, if you're saying you're going to try to run under 1315, do it. I, I, it, you know, easier said than done clearly. But, you know, I think this, if this was paced a little bit differently, if they were to do this again, they could see the, the error in their ways to where, mm-hmm. yes, it was an exciting race, but, you know, how much nicer would it have been to to have the standard and you do all that and you still don't get the get the mark. It's it's uh it's, it's certainly bittersweet. But mm-hmm. to the larger point in the NCAA, to the people who are still in it, because everybody and their brothers currently going pro, um, Grahalva <laughs> and Kip too, and and I guess you can throw Mance in there. He wasn't here, but it is funny how the um NCAA replenishes itself, right? It's people step up and there's transfers and new guys that are there. And you think, oh no, we've lost, you know, we've lost this. Edwin Kurgot's gone. Well, we may have a better version of him here. And um, Joe Klecker's gone. Well, guess what? Luis Grijalva is a better version of him, at least in this stage of his career. Um, It's remarkable. And it is, we have no idea what cross country is going to look like other than the March 15th NCAA championships, which will hopefully still happen. But you know, we're setting ourselves up for a very fun little truncated season, particularly when those two guys match up. I, you know, I don't, I, I doubt we've ever had a matchup between a 13 16 guy and a, and a 27 37 guy in, in cross country. So um, this will be fun to watch. Well, in it helps me put the track season. <laughs> yeah, before, yeah, in the middle of cross country season. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You get all sorts of quirky results there. Let's go to the the second fastest heat, the B heat there. Uh, big victory for undershirts. That's my headline. Yeah, was it chilly for, for Centro? Um, was he just wanting to flash the Jordan uh, logo? It, it was. I, I'm going to go on record saying I wasn't, I'm not really a fan of the look. I mean, he gets away with it because he's the Olympic champion and, you know, one of the all-time American greats in – the 1500 and, you know, pretty good 5,000 meter runner as well. I, I, I wasn't a fan of the look. However, he did win this heat would have preferred to see him in the 1315 race. Um, I guess it was just a rust buster, but uh, yeah, I guess he, he really, we may start to see more undershirts. Maybe he's trying to bring back the, <laughs> the Steve Prefontaine look um, if yeah, you yeah. will. Uh, I, I wasn't a fan of the, of the, of the outfit, but he makes it look good. I suppose. He's a big fan of the 70s and the 80s too. Maybe he he likes the times from the bygone mm-hmm. era there. <laughs> I think it's it's so funny watching him run a 5000 because he looks like he is walking around the track mm-hmm. just how efficient his stride is. Yeah, it would have been fun to see him in the fast the fast heat as is he outkicks uh, Cole Hawker of Oregon who ran 13:32.95 so 3100 separate them. Casey Klinger was 8th keeping your eye on those NCAA guys. He was eighth in thirteen forty one, and then Nico Young did not break thirteen thirty, as I predicted mm-hmm. he would by the end of the year. But you know what? He's got a couple months. I said by the end of his freshman year, he still got oh, a couple yeah. months to drop fifteen seconds. He ran thirteen forty four. Yeah. He was towards the back the whole time, and I think being towards the back, if the race actually went out, you know, at sub thirteen thirty pace as it was supposed to, or right at thirteen thirty pace. Would have made would have made more sense, but it, it lagged a bit there, and it took the the central close to get them just to thirteen thirty two. So, some valuable experience. Yeah. He raced in the jersey. NAU raced in their jerseys, which I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think did anybody else do that? I, I, yeah, 
Um, BYU didn't. I, okay. Uh, I I was impressed by Nico Young, to be honest. I thought this, you know, coming off that eight ten was disappointment. Yeah, I thought I thought this was a good effort for him. He didn't he he's in the business right now hitting singles and to be a piece for NAU in March. And this was this was definitely a a hard single up the middle. I was really, really impressed with Cole Hawker from Oregon running 1332. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be, I guess, his sophomore year. You kind of forget because he didn't, he wasn't an All American as a true freshman at Oregon in cross country, but um, that, and then he got no, you know, only a limited track season and no outdoor season, obviously. You forget that, oh, yeah, this is a guy who won Foot Locker in uh, whatever it was, 20, 2018. And, yeah. Was a superstar in high school, and you know we kind of focus on young Nico Young and um, maybe other people in the NCAA. But you're like, oh yeah, this is going to be a future superstar a- as well. And you just kind of because tears at Oregon, and he's been much better than all of his teammates. I Hawker, I think, had been overlooked, and um, he's going to be somebody who's going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, for the Ducks. I think in coming years. Well, look at. Their performances this past weekend, you have a 13-17 in tier and then a 13-32 right there for for yeah. Hawker. So do not sleep on Oregon because if I know Oregon, they also have eight other guys who run between 358 and 356 in the mile, and some of them will be decent <laughs> in cross country, and then you'll be good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's keep it moving. Seven. Story number seven. Four guys. This is crazy that this is the seventh biggest story, but four mm. guys broke 204 in the Valencia full – I put this seven because you, when you and I were talking about this, I said I think I said four guys would break two hundred three, or I said there would be a lot of guys in the in the two hundred twos here. Didn't quite get it. Evans Chabet ran two hundred three flat. Lawrence Chirono saw his three marathon win streak. I know you had been keeping tabs on that. You had the last time Lawrence Chirono lost a marathon stat up there. Clock in my, like, bedroom. In yeah, my bedroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. The Cubs were six games above 500 the last time Lawrence Toronto lost a marathon. All <laughs> sorts of crazy stats. Uh, the price of gas. Uh, Berhanu Legese, who came in as the number one seed, ran 203.16, and Amos Kipruchu ran 203.30. I don't have anything else to add other than Evans Chabet also was wearing Adidas. So <laughs> Two don't get mad PR at for... on this one, guys. Yeah, yeah. No, we got to direct your, direct your anger at two different Portland-based brands here. Um <laughs> Two minutes off his PR. This was this was a, a eye popper for me from Chibet because I mean, I'll be honest, I, I didn't really know Evan of anything about Evans Chibet before this race, and there's a chance we may not need to know anything beyond this performance. This could be his career high point, and that would be fine. Uh, my takeaway was: Can we get Elliot Kipchoge an invitation to the Valencia Marathon at Valencia. some point? Uh, <laughs> Because, dear Lord, if Evans Chibet is running 203, Elliot Kipchoge is going to run like 158. I mean, maybe not that fast, but. Um, yeah, I mean, he beat some names. Uh, he beat some names. is tough. Even, Toronto's not. But, I mean, Evans Chibet is running 203 flat. Let's get some some real dudes in here in this Valencia race. And and we're well, going to see. Toronto's a real dude. One. He's a real dude. Look, but what, Evan, this have is you what heard I'm, of Evans is, Chibet before this? I had not heard of Evans Chibet. I'm going to be honest, I, I've heard of Wilson Chibet, but Evans Chibet had been around. He'd run a lot of marathons. You're right. 205 was his PR. But here's what I was telling you about last week when we were previewing this thing. And this is what I don't think you understand about marathon running Lincoln. No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to say that. Um, I, mean, I know nothing. You put, you put some credential, some like really, really, really good people, right? Top 10 in the world type people in this field, such as Berhanu Legese and Lord Shono. And then you mix them in. You mix them in. With 10 Evans Chibet type people who have run, you know, 204 mid, maybe to 205 high, and you get going real quick, the odds of one of them having the race of their life is pretty good. Now, most yeah. of them are going to go out the back and fall apart and not run very fast, just like we see every year in Dubai. But it doesn't surprise me that when you have that big of a pool of people to choose from, that one of them is just going to have their day and they're going to take advantage of the weather and the course and everything and they'll be good to go. So you're right. Unheralded result. But it was just going to be – if it wasn't him, it was going to be somebody else. What is it the, that same, what is the saying? It's like rising rising tides lift all boats or something like that. Mm-hmm. That kind of feels like what you're yeah. describing there is like – Yeah. You but know, it sinks a lot of maybe, other boats too in distance running. It does. In distance running and also people go out and they fall apart. Yes. But They yeah. do. 
for Evan Chabet, it was it was his day. Um, don't know beyond this if they'll look at him for the Kenyan team. They've already named their team. Will they go back? No, is Kipchoge, no, no, no. Is Kipchoge on no, the block? No, stop. I mean, <laughs> stop. Are they no. looking to trade Kipchoge? No. Toronto should be on the team. Athlete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Toronto should that. be on the I team. He's, he's I agree. I agree. Okay. Eight, number eight. You probably didn't notice because this happened on Saturday morning. The athlete of the year for the men, Lonnie <laughs> Duplantis. For the women, for the women, Yulamar Rojas gets it. But one of the other nominees, Perez Jepchirchir, mere hours later, fires back <laughs> with a 217-16 marathon, the fifth fastest time in history. Maybe they should have waited another week. I don't know. What do you think? Or maybe just wait until December 31st? Can we just, like, actually <laughs> complete a year before we name a team? Yeah, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Ulamar Rojas hasn't competed since August, which is fine in the sense of that um, you know, the seat, or I guess September 5th, you know, during the pandemic, you can't blame her for lack of competing. But I think, you know, her quote was something to the effect of like, I, she, I'm completely stunned to have won this. And we always knew, always thought that road racers were going to be in an advantage because there was just more competitions for them, especially if you thought world athletics would consider, you know, kind of have recency bias, but I guess they didn't. Um, mm -hmm. but this is, I think they need to amend the way they do this. If somebody like Paris Chip Cheer Cheer is going to break the women's only world record, win the world half, and then run the fifth fastest marathon of all time for a woman. And she gets beat by somebody who, yes, yeah, set a, set a, uh, indoor world record set a record indoors. But I mean, I don't think we can compare that to, uh, you know what Jeff Cheer has done, and when in her outdoor season, yes, she won her competitions. This is Rojas, but you know she was jumping like at one point a meter less than her world record, and then another time, you know, more than half a meter behind it. I just, yeah, it, yeah. it's absurd that Ulamar Rojas won this award, and I think she would say the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, the men they made the right choice, but yeah, this was a complete screw up. Um, <laughs> on, on epic proportions, obviously, you know, Jeff Cheer has won a whole bunch of money and I'm sure she's fine with it, but yeah, if we yeah. don't recognize this year that they need to change the way they do this, then I don't know what we're doing because this was a miscarriage of, I don't know what you want to call voting. it, of voting and, 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 uh, track and field. Yeah. Listen, before the Valencia marathon. Perez Jepchircher should have been the women's athlete of the year. Yeah. It should have been her. And if it wasn't her, it probably should have been Latensipet Gede or Abibel yeah. Yeshina. You could have gone pretty far down on the list before you uh, hit Rojas. And then after she ran uh, in Valencia, then her season became not just 2020 good, but it would have been good at, in any year by any standard. Right. You could have said, hey, right. she should have been a finalist even if everybody was competing and we saw the regular circuit of meets, because you're right, she would yeah. have had the women's only world record twice. She had the world half title and she would have had this 217 number five all time in the marathon. That is a good season by any indication. I have no idea how they arrived at this. This is I, completely bonkers. Absurd. If you were going to, if you're going to pick somebody who broke a world record and didn't race that much, the answer is Latensipet Gaudet on the track. If you're going to pick somebody well, who has the most complete season, you're going to pick Perez Jepchircher. There's no scenario question, where she gets this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me go back and look at what Jepchircher has done. I feel like one very foggy way that they could have looked at this, and this is not a good way to do it, was to say, okay, who broke a world record and who was the only per world record breaker to not lose this season? Well, that was... That was uh, Ulamar Rojas, because technically per Perez Jepchircher lost in a all-important cross-country race in January, no, getting stop, second. Stop, stop, stop. That's stop. the only logic. There's no other logic here. There's no other yeah, logic. That's because it's not like, you know, her 1543 jump in February wasn't like the all-conditions record. It wasn't better than the outdoor mark or anything like that. There is no logic yeah. here. The only other, the only other half-baked idea you could think of was – well, you know, a lot of people are going to choose a distance runner. They're going to be critical of shoe check technology. They're going to say that mm. aided in them. So let's remove mm. shoe technology from this and give it to a jumper. 
<laughs> because in any other way, it's just absurd. Or, or you think somebody got paid off. Like I, I just not, I'm not actually proposing that. That's a joke. But um, this is Great outrageous. Joke. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. We could do that for another 10 minutes if need be. Got two more stories to hit on. Some big names struggling in that same marathon. Lincoln Jordan has say ran 233. And then also in the track meet 10,000, we saw Gwen Jorgensen, uh, Bowerman Track Club, run 32-12 for 17th. Let's start first with with Hase. Uh, I thought she could run 225 given how fast the course was, given the fact that it seemed like she was in better shape because uh, she decided to sign up for the race. I probably did not read enough into that half marathon after I scolded you for reading a lot into that half marathon. <laughs> You, you've been right. You've been right about things. Enjoy your week of, of correct takes. I hope Wade Van Niekirk uh, is, is, catches you on a different week because you've been right recently, and it's kind of weird. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary that you've been it's, right. It's, a, it's new. I mean, I'm not sure what to do with it, to be honest. I yeah, feel yeah. in this uh, just sense of gratitude. You'll always have but... the first week of December. Yeah. You'll always have it. Yeah, 2020. Um You know, she went out in 74 minutes, so maybe there was some thought – you know, we talked about the golf analogy, put it down the fairway. Maybe there was some thought of negative splitting, mm -hmm. but in reality, she came home in 79 minutes. So there was always a plan, like a conservative plan. This was never going to be a, this, I don't think this was ever an attempt to run close to a PB, even though you would have thought her presence yeah. in Valencia with how fast it was going to go, you know, may have read on paper of, oh, maybe she's in PR shape somehow. It has been, you know, nine, 10 months since the trials. So perhaps uh, that she was she was ready to do this. Well, that, that just was never going to be the case. I think this was just all about let's find a marathon and, and, you know, get back on track because, you know, I think if you take what she did at the half running 74, maybe she thought she could come back in 72 and run 226 and that would be mm -hmm. an okay race. But, you know, I just have to wonder, is, is she still not physically there? Um, and or and or is there a mental component to this? Because I, you know, if she is healthy, there's no reason why someone who's run 220 should be running 233, unless uh, you know she's gotten in the back of her head that the her recent struggles have really really affected her. Um, because you just would think someone of her caliber, uh, who knows what she's capable of, wouldn't run a full marathon if they weren't fully healthy. Um, so that leads me to think that there's just something, there's some factors going on inside the head that y y she's just not entirely comfortable when she gets out there. And, uh, you know, perhaps she's, I don't know how to put this delicately, but kind of psyching herself out and, and, and has the, the, the performance that the injury in Chicago coupled with the really tough one in, in Atlanta has done some damage to her psyche where she's going to have a long road to get back to, to, to believing that she's an elite athlete. Cause two, two thirty-three. I mean, like, you know, this is, this is, uh, 12, 13 minutes off her PB. This is like Elliot Kipchoge getting out there and, you know, running a, a two ten or something. You're just, there's, there's, there's no logic to it if, if the athlete is healthy. And so, um, I suppose you could think she's not healthy, but I just would have a hard time believing that she would be out there in a race that, you know, isn't isn't a do or die. She didn't have to be at this race. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that she was was unhealthy. I, I, I just think she's dealing with some stuff from past races that she's going to have to shake to get back to her previous levels. And she has time, which is why I'm not giving up on it yet, because literally she has until next fall for the next consequential race at her distance, the marathon, because there are not any spring marathons. Now she could run another stuff sooner if she wanted to, and maybe there'll be some, some road races she can hop in at shorter distances to help build up the confidence, but she can start from scratch, build it back up from, from square one. And in the next nine months, get ready to get to a, a starting line again. So because of the way the marathon breaks this year, um, it allows for this sort of thing. She didn't qualify for the Olympics. It's not like she has to get right by the summer. There's no spring marathon, so she's not running Boston. She's not running London, so she can just take her time to get back. Uh, as for Jorgensen, that time surprised me a bit. I, I thought she was going to be, and I don't know how training's been going because we saw them you know, this summer in those BTC time trials 
Um, but I, you know, she's run, she's run faster than that before her teammate, uh, Vanessa Frazier ran a little bit quicker, 3209. She's had a, she's had major surgery. So yeah. she's kind of a TBD Frazier. I think she could be a factor in the 10 K. And I think going, as we mentioned before, going the 10 K route is smart, or at least having the 10 K option in addition to the five K is smart because of how good the five K is. So Frazier, you want to give more, more time to Jorgensen though. I mean, she's going to, she's in a position where, as you mentioned, you got to be sub 31 now to make the team. It feels like. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we all, I think, thought in the distance community that this was going to be a tough go of her for her when she decided to come over first to the marathon and then now to the track. The thing mm -hmm. is, she's just she's. I'm, I'm sure she's quite frustrated with this. Quite frust frustrated with the, the way the last two years have gone for her. Um, but she was always playing with house money. She's the Olympic triathlon champion. Like mm -hmm. her career has already been a major success, even if she never does anything more on the track. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. been a disappointment and even more underwhelming than I think most people thought, especially when she kind of started her track career and was running fast indoors and, you know, running like 15, mm -hmm. 15. Um, she may have kind of missed her prime on the, on the track and had been doing the triathlon during when she would have been her yeah. best on the track or on the roads. Again, I, I, she may not look at it this way, but she, her career has already been a tr tremendous success um, mm -hmm. and so even if she fails at this, well, she gave it a, she gave it a shot. Uh, yeah. She's mm -hmm. well off the back now of what needs to be done to make the team. N not to mention, she's not going to have, she, she missed the standard by a substantial amount. So maybe she can get it figured out, but I don't think she's ever going to be a factor, which is nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, name me another triathlete that come out, hop on the track and be, um, Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right. You're 100 right. Gonna... I think. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I I don't really think I had anything more to, else to add. You're just not going to see a triathlete. It was always ambitious for her to to come on and and be competitive with people who have been specializing. Um, and I think she has learned, unfortunately, the hard way of how difficult it is to just be mixed up with the very best distance runners in not, not just the world, but the, but, but her own country. All right, let's close out here. Number 10. This was the first big result we got from, from last week. Some fast times in Japan. We saw uh, Hitomi Naya set the Japanese record, the women's 10,000, 30, 20. And mm -hmm. we saw, Akira Aizawa run 27.18 for the men's 10,000, set the, set the national record. And then two other gentlemen went under 27.30. Tatsuhiko Ito and Kazuki Tamura went under 27.30. I just wanted to end mm -hmm. uh, this, this pod with a, a reference to the country where everybody will be headed next year for the, for the Olympics, Japan. These are some good performances by some young dudes. I mean, if we had a guy mm -hmm. that was 23 running 27-18, we would be uh, jumping for joy here in the United States. Uh, poor Kazuki Tamura running 27-28, missing the standard by point nine or less than a second. Um, and then on the women's side, Nia, Naya, I forget exactly what else she done has done. I think she won, won the Houston half back way back and I could be wrong here, but you do not remember year. when the Houston half took place. I love it. That's one common thread of the show. January, <laughs> February, you know, one of those, hold on. What did she do? Yeah. She won Houston way, way back in January 19th. That's been a year ago, almost a year ago, literally. And then figuratively about five years ago. So, you know, she's also run 1455, but obviously this 3020 is probably the, the best performance of any. It's been a, it's been a pretty good year on the track for a 32 year old. Um, mm -hmm. 30, 20 is no small matter that, you know, I, did she run in, did she run in Doha? I gotta, I gotta, yeah, she got 11th in Doha. I think she's going to be positioned to be much better in Tokyo mm -hmm. when the Olympics come home than, than finishing 11th. Mm -hmm. As always, if you need information for Japanese media, contact my colleague Lincoln Shrike, who's been interviewed not once, but twice by, by Japanese media. Throughout oh, his that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Usually commenting on the exploits of one Abdul Hakim yeah. Sonny Brown. Yeah.
Yeah, and I've done some race walk analysis as well. Um, so it's just padding the resume. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is when we go to Tokyo next year, it's going to be tough Wait. to walk around without Lincoln getting noticed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to it. Um, but I'm famous not just here in the U.S., but abroad. It's uh, they, People really like this new hat, this Bass Pro Shops hat I'm wearing. I think it makes me <laughs> real popular. Corporate synergy. Flowtrackpodcast yeah. at gmail.com. Write in. Let us know. Are you in the same boat as Lincoln and you think that fast times are ruining the sport? Let us know. <laughs> Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Then Sorry, if that's the case, you that. think cell phones are ruining communication. We talk too much <laughs> now. We, we're, we're too connected. I, I agree. Um, Gordon and I will be back tomorrow. Who knows what we'll talk about because we got – a lot of stuff covered today, but we got an exciting week planned. We got a guest coming uh, midweek. Thank you to Alon for producing. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.